Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rogue Fun, a podcast story. I'm Alice White. And I'm Buddy Duquesne. And we are so happy that you joined us here for this very special episode of Rogue Fun. Um, as you may know, we have finished watching the movie, and this episode is our wrap-up episode. Yeah, a, uh, a time of rest, a time to think about what we've learned over the course of the last Wow, almost two years of podcasting uh, about Rogue One uh, and a time to uh, kind of, you know, reach out to the community and see what this film means to them, uh, which I think is going to be a really just like different and interesting episode for us. Yeah, I'm really excited to uh, to go over what we've learned and how we've changed since the first episode of this podcast was published in June of 2018. Yeah, uh, which was a really long time ago, and there was a a, a gap, a hiatus in there. Um, but to think that we've been talking about this movie pretty consistently for two years um, is really, I think, it's really cool and and really special. And we've got some feedback and some comments from some of our listeners. We're going to go over those a little later. Uh, but to start, we're going to kind of go back to where we where we began. And we're going to talk a little bit about um, how we've changed, uh, things that we, that we notice now in the movie that we didn't before we started the show. Um, we're going to pop back to some of the things that we talked about in the very first episode of the show. Um, and then talk a little bit about the impact that the movie has had on us and on our listeners. And we'll end the episode by uh, giving you an update on what we're going to be up to for the next uh, month or, or year or so of, uh, of this podcasting journey. Yeah. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, so, buddy, uh, how have your thoughts about the movie changed from uh, the first time you saw it to the first time you heard the show to now? That's, I think I think I had a really extreme uh, transformation with regards to Rogue One, a Star Wars story, because I walked out of the theater uh, disappointed isn't the right word, but it's the only word that I have. Um, I, I didn't feel like it had done what I wanted or expected from the movie. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. When you decided to start the show, it was partially to prove to me that this movie is great. <laughs> uh, I, I got a personal shout out, uh, no, a personal call out in the first episode uh, saying, well, someday Buddy Duquesne is going to like this movie because we're making this show. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and so how how did my opinion start to change right when the show Rogue Fun, a, a podcast story, uh, started to come out? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, almost immediately, I was convinced. Um, because what you were doing with the show, you and Ponders, uh, was pointing out the levels of craft that were going into the movie that were kind of, you know, you don't notice them on your first watch, how carefully constructed Rogue One is. Uh, and you don't really understand, like, what the movie's going for. If I think I think I had trouble because I was so immersed in the marketing uh, and the marketing 
didn't necessarily match what the movie was, which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, but almost immediately I was like, wow, that's more than I've ever thought about Rogue One. Uh, <laughs> and the more I think about Rogue One, the better it gets. Uh, and so by the end of episode two and color theory, um, I was like, okay, Rogue One is good now, actually. <laughs> uh, and now that we've done these last, you know, half dozen or so episodes, uh, Rogue One is great, actually. Like it's a, it's a fantastic Star Wars movie. Um, and it, it expands on the universe in, in really important ways. Uh, and you know, it also kind of stands alone uh, as the only Star Wars story of its kind. Like, our nearest comparison point is Solo. Right. This movie's nothing like Solo. No, it's nothing like Solo. And Solo has the um, the distinct difference is that Solo uses a lot of several characters that we were already familiar with. You got, not just Solo himself, but Chewbacca and, and Lando Calrissian characters and like situations and and stuff that we that we knew really well yeah and rogue one didn't did not i mean sure we've got mon mothma and bail organa and leia at the end we've even got tarkin yeah Um, we got we got 3po and r2 for that one shot (laughs) but like i Um, I feel like yeah rogue one is not resting on laurels It, it it is it's using star wars as a jumping off point and it's using icons and images and even moments that you might expect out of a star Wars movie uh, to tell something, a story that is way more unique, you know? Yeah, exactly. How have your thoughts and feelings changed about rogue one? Because you have been this movie's number one advocate in any circle that I've ever run in uh, and, <laughs> and maybe in the world. I'm going to come out and say it. You might be the world's number one Rogue One scholar. Uh, (laughs) Top scholar about Rogue One, a Star Wars story. So, like, how have you come to appreciate this movie either more or less or differently? That's uh, a big question. Um, I'm obviously still as big of a fan as I've always been. Like, I still love the movie. Um, I think getting to sit down and talk to people about it, you and, and Ponders both, who have more experience with like filmmaking and film technique, made me both appreciate how much work went into it, but also let me kind of step back. I, I'm I am I am slightly more critical of the movie than I than I was. I think when we started, I was all like. Uh, I was very gushy about it and and I couldn't think of a single like negative thing to say about the movie. I think maybe I'm a little bit more willing to admit when it does have flaws um than I was, but the flaws don't don't detract from the movie at all for me. They've made me appreciate and like um like absorb more of it and it's made me um it's made me a more I think um involved like film critic in general um where I've spent so much time uh saying I like this movie or I don't like this movie uh for you know across but not just for Star Wars but in general and now I think I I've been given um thanks to thanks to y'all <laughs> been given the language 
to um to express myself better about uh, how my relation my personal relationship with film yeah i i feel like there was um like like you're saying there was this instinct that you might have had back then when when i didn't like the movie uh and you saw all these people that also didn't like the movie to kind <laughs> of like say no it's good and perfect if you could just see it the way i do right right um but I think I, I totally agree with you that like the flaws of this movie, while they're totally there and there's plenty of them, like it's not a perfect movie and a perfect movie can't exist. Right. But this <laughs> right. movie, this movie is deeply flawed in a couple of ways, but the flaws add to the texture of this movie in ways that make it enjoyable anyways. Um, in that I think when you just watch it once and you're like, oh, but this movie has flaws. This movie's so flawed. <laughs> um, and, or you watch the movie once and you're like, this movie was great. All those flaws, whatever. Right? right. I feel like the the middle ground is much more interesting where it's like, it's flawed and awesome. Um, <laughs> and, and having, yeah, having conversations and then adding new ways to talk about those flaws uh, has been one of the joys of this podcast, actually. Absolutely. Which, which sounds counterintuitive, like you got more negative, but no, <laughs> no, you stayed positive by appreciating what about the movie isn't exactly perfect. Right. And, and, and being given the, the language and the, and the context and, and the space to talk about what it is about those flaws and what it is about those, uh, about the scenes that, that aren't perfect. Um, to be able to talk about them and talk about why they're not and then and then take those lessons and uh, and apply them to other media. Um, I always I considered myself or and maybe still consider myself fairly media literate and always interested in in film, but I'm not a film scholar. You you got a master's degree in film studies. I don't I don't know anything about that. I <laughs> stumbled you, into a master's degree. Yeah. You got a master's degree in film studies and 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 now I I feel like I have learned a lot from you and from other people um in in the in the fandom um have learned how to uh how to engage with the text a little bit more nuanced well i i appreciate that i one of my favorite things is is feeling like i'm teaching but also feeling like i'm learning at the same time right like that i get to share things and you get to share things back at me uh and i think you know that's what i appreciate about co-hosting this podcast with you is that like it's never just one idea. It's ideas that bounce and bounce and bounce until they become something new, right? Yeah. Um and I I just feel very gratified by this whole uh this whole experience. Absolutely. And and one of the things that have really like changed with regards to how we approach Star Wars has definitely been that we like we made a Star Wars thing. <laughs> uh, which which changes your relationship with the franchise i think really drastically uh, uh in unexpected yeah. ways absolutely by creating something star wars related we have now been able to engage with participate with and be in the star wars fandom in ways that we never were before um and the star wars fandom is so big so massive and so passionate that um to be able to participate from the inside instead of just the outside 
has been um just so wild <laughs> yeah it truly truly wild and the thing about star wars and its fans is that closeness that fans feel to star wars is i wouldn't say it's unique but it's definitely like incredibly strong um like a, yeah. a very powerful feeling um and i i have a lot of observations about the star wars fandom but i think the the one that i most wanted to talk about today is a thesis that i've been forming regarding like my own experience with star wars lately Ooh. uh and it is that like star wars fans tend toward appreciating star wars the longer each piece of star wars has existed oh so, like, definitely so like the longer something has been out the more fans appreciate it the more it's considered part of the canon the more it is explored and understood um like for me it, this wasn't just a rogue one thing like rogue one i was like yeah whatever that that movie wasn't as good as empire strikes back <laughs> which is the best star war um because you know it was 2018 uh or 2016 when it came out right yeah uh instead it was everything like the more i appreciated rogue one the more i also started to appreciate things like the clone wars the more i also started to experience and understand like a new a new like appreciation for the prequels even which for the longest time were a punchline, but now I find a lot of joy in. Uh, and I think that's cool, but also, like, it happens every time. <laughs> and we should be able to spot that, right? Like, as fans of something, we should know, okay, I don't like this now because we fear change. <laughs> but But also maybe i'll like it more later like i don't love revenge of the sith i still don't love it but i do find a lot of fun and joy in watching it now uh way more than i ever did upon its release uh and i feel like that also happened for rogue one especially through this show for me yeah i can see it happening in real time uh, as involved in the star wars fandom community as we are now as much as I am on Twitter, I am watching it happen to The Force Awakens right now. Wow. Um, yeah, it's kind of a, kind of a, I almost want to make like a study of it and watch how fast some of this happens. Because it did take us like 20 years to get back to <laughs> loving or at least appreciating the the prequels, especially like the Phantom Menace. I got I got to tell you, I downloaded uh, Star Wars Episode One Pod Racer for my Switch the other yeah! day, and it was such a nostalgia hit. That game is not good, <laughs> uh, it, but it was so I don't know such a powerful emotion to like re-experience that. And yeah, it took that long. For me to be like, oh, the Phantom Menace, I love everything about that. I love the Phantom Menace. I, I unironically love the Phantom Menace. That is uh, something that everyone should know about me. Um, and 
we've slowly been seeing the prequels come back in, you know, at the 20th anniversary of The Phantom Menace and allowing those movies to kind of come back in as as memes, sure, to start, but then to watch people revisit them and go, actually, maybe I was a little hard on them when they were coming out. Actually, this is pretty good. I enjoy this. Um, this scene was really funny. This one is really poorly written, but I get why it's in there, you know, and, and, yeah. and so people have come around to the prequels. I'm starting, I'm genuinely, I think the cycle is going to move faster because I have seen more and more and more people going, you know what, now that it's been out for like five years now, um, I actually really enjoy The Force Awakens. Um, And because when it it came out to extremely mixed reviews uh, from the Star Wars fandom, I think critically and like financially, it was extremely successful. Yeah, yeah. The Um, critic, the critics raved that Star Wars was back. Yeah. Uh, And the fandom was much more lukewarm because it was, you know, the 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 argument was always this is a new hope again. It's just a copy of a new hope. But I think with uh, the release, I. I want to say with the release of Rogue One and The Mandalorian, I think people have sat back and gone, oh, but revisiting our favorite parts of Star Wars is our favorite part of Star Wars. That's true. We love to revisit the things that we love about this franchise. Um, And so they've gone back and looked at The Force Awakens and gone, maybe we were a little too hard on it for being just a repeat of A New Hope. Um because we liked a new hope (laughs) and so maybe we can like the force awakens too and i think we're going to start seeing that happen more and more to the sequel trilogy um which is obviously very very mixed in reactions on the star wars fandom but the star wars fandom like on twitter is not like a perfect cross-section of people who like star wars oh no absolutely not Um, Uh, but it's been really interesting to watch yeah, and, and sometimes the cycle doesn't happen at all. Uh, like, for you, I feel like the cycle didn't occur for Rogue One. No. Like, the movie was awesome, and it stayed awesome, in your opinion. Uh, for me, it happened. But, like, the the cycle never happened for me and The Last Jedi. Like, I walked out of The Last Jedi super stoked. And every time I watch The Last Jedi, I remain super stoked. <laughs> um, like, that's... That's just how it is. We all react differently to different parts of what Star Wars is. Um, But I feel like we tend towards appreciating all of it. Um, And and that's just an observation that I've had. And definitely Rogue Fun is like part of that for me. Is the more something sits and the more you live in it, the more it can become uh, appreciable. Uh, the more the more you can kind of just feel what it was going for. Uh, and I've never done that with a movie like I've done it for Rogue One. Like, if I don't like something, I don't purposefully revisit it. Um, uh, but, but Rogue Fun made me do that when it started. Uh, and it has made me, I think, into a different kind of fan. Um and a more engaged fan and yeah, a creator in the space, I guess, now that I'm your co-host, but also just a different, a different kind of watcher of Rogue One. And I wonder if, if it's worth doing this for other movies, I wonder if I would ever choose to, 
if you didn't start a podcast about it. Um, but honestly... <laughs> Do I need to start a podcast for every movie that I love and you don't? Honestly, you could. <laughs> you know I love to do these podcasts with you, but but also, like, I don't know. Do you? Would that work? I mean, maybe there is something significant and special about Rogue One that made it, like, right for this process. Um, and I think it's what it is is the the stuff, the details that we notice about the movie when we talk about it. The stuff that washes over us as we watch it. But the more we talk about it, the more we expand on it, the more we uh, kind of perform this idea of uh, exegesis, right? Right. Uh, where we where we hyperanalyze everything. The better this movie became, at least for me. I love to see it. <laughs> I love to see it. I love to see... Um your your transition it's been a great joy to me over the last couple of years um so to 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 expand on the on the idea of sitting with the movie and like really sitting in it and revisiting it and um and the idea of the details that you notice now um let's talk about that let's talk about some of those details what um if you were to sit down and watch rogue one right now um which we which we do all the time (laughs) but if you were to sit down and watch rogue one right now um what are some things now that you like notice and pay attention to and care about that you definitely did not see yourself um paying attention to when you first saw when you first saw this movie or even when we first started the podcast yeah um well the whole movie (laughs) (laughs) sure like there's 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 the first watch and the kind of visceral reaction that you get out of that. But honestly, the the whole darn movie had little things in it that, once they were pointed out, became significant. And I, number one for me from the show, and I've already talked about it, but like the idea of the grand unified color theory of Rogue One... <laughs> is for me central to understanding that this movie has more going on than simply what you see on the surface your brain is noticing these things even if you're not noticing these things yeah Um, definitely and so color theory the more it kind of like played out over the course of the movie as we did each segment and how it stayed relevant uh to me says that the at least the color design and the costume design of this movie is telling its own side of the story um yeah and that's incredibly significant i think that speaks really highly um of the cinematography and of the production design teams that worked on the movie to to pick a color palette and to pick a like a series of images that they considered really important and to keep them consistent and unique to Rogue One as like a, yes, this is Star Wars. And yes, you know, you're going to see your typical, you know, Empire versus Rebel, you know, space battle stuff. But here are some really specific images and some really specific colors that you are going to now associate with this movie. And um, and they were so consistent through the whole thing that I think that really speaks to the quality of work that they've done and how like how excellent the movie is. And like you said, yeah, your brain can register these things and like understand that what you're seeing is important without you ever being like 
really conscious of it. Like, ah, yes, the red sash of enlightenment here is mirrored in another scene. Like, you're, nobody <laughs> is thinking like that when they're watching movies, except for crazy people like me, sometimes. But <laughs> when I first watched Rogue One, I definitely wasn't registering all of that, right? Right. Um, and so, yeah, there, it's that level of detail, I think, um, kind of expanded across the entire film. Like, the other thing that I was really impressed by every time we started talking about it and and how pulled into the conversations we would get about these things are the moments where characters aren't talking but they are communicating yes like any silent look that they're giving each other and the physicality of the acting uh in rogue one i feel is is actually and maybe this is too bold but i feel like this is actually better than any other star wars for communicating things visually a lot of star wars is talking yes especially the prequels a lot of telling (laughs) telling us how we feel right but also the ot is full of that stuff right the characters in other in in other parts of star wars uh lots of skywalkers are extremely talkative people yeah they love to share and talk han solo will talk for a hundred years uh luke and leia both love to talk um I'm thinking Anakin about the Skywalker scene. and Obi-Wan Kenobi never shut up. <laughs> I'm thinking about the scene uh, where they're talking about, like, Luke can feel Vader on Endor. He's yeah. like, oh, I have to go to him. And, and Leia's like, then leave this place. And, <laughs> like, that that is not how, obviously, that scene is weirdly directed. And it's kind of infamous for being weirdly directed. Um, but also, like, the characters in Rogue One wouldn't be like, Ah, uh, Tarkin, we have to go kill him. Like <laughs> they are, 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 oh, Krennic, there he is. He, that's the man that murdered my father. Like we don't get those lines. Um, no, because no, Rogue they're... One, Rogue One is quieter and subtler. Yes, and the characters are more introspective, and they they don't they don't talk a lot, but they right they communicate with their body language and with eye contact, and yeah, like the scene. Krennic's, you know, uh, unconscious on the ground and Jin wants to run over and and beat him up. Yeah. Uh, but Cassian holds her back and just says, leave it. That's all yeah. he needs to say is leave it. Yeah. A worse version of this movie would have the character have her be like, ah, I hate this guy. I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to go hit him. He he murdered my parents. Uh, I, I'm so angry. And then Cassian would hold her back and be like. No, Jin, you can't. We have to leave. We have to get off this platform. Right. You know, and and they but they don't have to. They don't have to do that. And that's not who they are. That's not who the characters are or uh how they how they talk to each other. And no. and that really sets it apart. And I think I agree that like I I almost prefer this kind of communication. It's uh, you know, of course the the chatty skywalkers are Star Wars. Um <laughs> I think this movie is so strong and stands out so much um, because the the communi- because the communication is quieter. I think it lets these really incredible actors work their magic. Felicity Jones is an incredible talent, and she acts and works so well with just her eyes um, that she can that she can communicate all of the nuance of a character like Jyn Erso without needing to say a lot and that works for the characterization of a person like Jen, and it also uh lets felicity jones do her best work and i think that's um that's really important to this movie 
Yeah, and, and like on the flip side, this movie catches a lot of flack because it's, I think because it's not as talky as other Star Wars movies. Like yeah. because we don't have characters telling us about how they're growing and changing, there's a widespread kind of misunderstanding of what's happening to these characters because sometimes their actions don't match what they have said because there has been no transitionary line where they've said something like you really made me understand the rebellion i'm ready <laughs> to join uh, because like that would be ham-fisted and weird in this movie exactly. like it doesn't it doesn't work but also i can see where like the first watch for me definitely I, I i would agree with that criticism like these characters aren't saying anything and like i love this cast but we don't spend any time with them they don't have any conversations they don't tell us who they are they don't like expand on their emotional depth all of that is done internally like the idea of bodhi rook right bodhi rook as a pilot and local boy and messenger former imperial a rebel, a hero, all of that is barely communicated in dialogue. Right. It, it's, sure, a lot of that was, like, lines of dialogue, but nobody's, like, talking to Bodhi, and Bodhi's not doing a lot of talking back. And what we get from him is very limited. What we see out of him, though, on, on further inspection, is absolutely, like one of the greatest performances in this movie. Right. Like he he is he's giving his all and you are seeing a transformation of a character. It's just not being explained. Um <laughs> and and the the you know old advice given to filmmakers is show don't tell, but honestly there does need to be a, a balance between showing and telling. I feel like Rogue One leans towards showing to a degree that makes it not inaccessible. That's not the word I'm looking for, but that to a degree that makes it like kind of a tougher nut to crack. Right. Yeah. I, I think I agree. Um, one of the few flaws maybe that, that we mentioned earlier that we re-referenced before um, is possibly that Rogue One could have used a little bit more telling and a not less showing, but maybe just more telling. Because I yeah. loved how much it showed. A, a little more, more tell. Conversations, I think, would have would have slowed this movie down. Like, definitely would have broken up the pacing a little. But also would have served the characters more. Right. It at uh, least is... would have served the audience to maybe engage with it better. Yeah. Um. Because as much as I love and love and will continue to love watching this movie over and over and over again i find it really difficult to to convince people to give it more chances and i say over to over and over again to people i'm constantly telling people on twitter give it another chance give it a couple more chances like really sit there and absorb what's going on um because there's a lot more nuance and a lot more depth to this to this movie than i think you're giving it credit for and and people's response is, well, I shouldn't have to. I shouldn't have to sit here and watch a movie three times and get all of the nuance. Yeah. And I was like, well, <laughs> sit here and watch it with me 15 times over the course <laughs> of two years um, for a podcast, and then you'll really appreciate it. Oh, and as sure. much as I love doing that, and I love that you're with me, and I love that we have an audience for it, it's 
inaccessible was like a pretty close word maybe that 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 you use i know it's not exactly what you were looking for but it might be close that if we do have to keep doing this and i have to keep talking people into giving it another chance like maybe like maybe it doesn't maybe we shouldn't need to ask people to to give it another chance you know yeah. But also, but also, media should be like engaged with and explored. Like giving a movie a second chance or another watch through to like really get what was going on is something that people do all the time to other movies. You what? You finish. Let's go for a really famous example. You finish Citizen Kane, and you learn what Rosebud's about, and then you go back to the beginning and you watch it, and you go, "Oh, I get it now. Like I get why this is important." Uh, I get why the rosebud is referenced at the end. And, you sure. know, I, 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 I understand now. Yeah, people uh, always Sixth say Sense. that. Yeah, you can the go Sixth back Sense and watch the Sixth really Sense again that, right? and be like, oh, the clues were all there the whole time. Oh, nobody I, ever, it, ever talks to Bruce Willis. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I needed to uh, I needed to watch it again to to understand what was going on. Like yeah. you like media can ask that of its audience. But maybe Star Wars wasn't Star Wars fans weren't ready to have that asked of them. I don't know. I don't know if it's fair to be like you guys weren't ready for that one, but your kids are going to love it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's fair. Like, I think I think that the movie shows off its best and worst choices uh, in ways that have given it. A certain reputation like its best choices in terms of like ship design and ship battles and stuff like that are really really good and so everybody like gravitated towards that they're like well act three is where it's at right <laughs> um and its worst choices in terms of how it chooses to explore its characters are weak enough to where people were like oh that must mean that the characters aren't explored well right but its best choices in how it explores its characters aren't strong enough to make those like bad choices feel like they're not there on the first watch at least because right. like how it explores its characters is by like lining its characters up and paralleling them and giving them journeys and all of this stuff that we've talked about like the idea of Bodhi and K2 being the same. Being, both of them being reprogrammed Imperials. Right. But since they never stop and go, wow, you're just like me. <laughs> A reprogrammed Imperial. Which again, is not what I'm asking for. Because that ruins the movie. Yeah. But the closest they get is is K2 saying, you're a rebel now. Right. Which is uh, nice, which is nice and like a really great moment as something that I really love and appreciate about the movie. Right. But it also isn't like, it's not a rumination on that. It's not a, a thought-provoking conversation. It's a throwaway line because here we go, right? Like, exciting things are about to happen. Better cut to the action. And I feel like uh, that's really unfair to Rogue One. Uh, but also, I feel like that's part of what makes this movie what it is. Um, and to remove kind of what we might see as some of the weaker or stranger choices is to say well i guess that's not what star wars is and just kind of throw it in the garbage which is silly because star wars can totally be this yeah. um because 
it's it's everything like star wars is whatever you want it to be uh and so that it's that rogue that rogue one is even in people's rankings of star wars movies is a miracle <laughs> like that people are like well it's not as good as empire but it sure is better than phantom menace like wow you're like putting it up there with in the pantheon right like this is this is a movie this is a star wars movie this is to be considered among some of the greatest cultural touchstones of our time uh and so i don't know i've gone kind of off track here but <laughs> i feel like this movie is weird um and the weirdness is part of what makes it good i agree <laughs> <laughs> uh, should we talk about some of the stuff that maybe we didn't think made it good that now we're kind of coming around on yeah let's talk about some of this stuff uh there there's a couple of scenes and a couple of things to talk about that are um that have received kind of universal criticism um or at least uh universal um attention for possibly um possibly t assisting people in like being taken out of the moment or um accused of being just like fan servicey stuff um i'm talking about uh, how many times that this movie references the like original trilogy of star wars yeah um and like like a like a really glaring example of something that like gets gets criticized a lot is the inclusion of dr evanson and ponda baba in uh on jetta best watch yourself <laughs> we're wanted men <laughs> um and it's it on first watch or on early watches to be like well that wasn't that wasn't necessary we didn't need that we didn't even want that how do they even get to Mos Eisley after this <laughs> you know yeah uh, is most people's like early reaction to a scene like that um, they they say, oh, it's just fan service. Oh, they're just trying to impress us with their, you know, with their Star Wars, you know, references. I don't sure. know. Um, but the more I the more I watch it, uh, the more I like it. I I'm into it. I I love I love stuff like that now. Because yeah, I think I think people are 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 cr too cruel to the idea of fan service. We're fans, like service us <laughs> right uh, yeah i i mean i think that this movie has a much more delicate hand than even the force awakens when it comes to references to the original trilogy right it's certainly much more delicate than solo where where i feel like solo is like we gotta we gotta explain what the kessel run is and how doing it in fewer parsecs actually makes sense we gotta explain where han solo's dice come from and what his, why his last name is solo like we gotta do a lot of work here guys we gotta make a lot of references let's get those in there this movie is like it's not about those references those references are in there to remind you that this is a small story in a big universe and the ones that are chosen to be put on screen and even kind of called out, like, Dr. Evanson and Pondo Baba, that's, like, a whole moment, right? Like, you can't miss that. Um, R2 and 3PO, they get yeah. that whole moment. Those are, I agree, like, far less interesting than the other ones we get. The stuff like 
Bail Organa and Mon Mothma and their relationship and the way that they exchange looks and um, what they say and do in the council chambers. Yeah. Bail Organa talking about going to get Obi-Wan Kenobi on board. Right. Things like that. Yeah, and, and those those little references, those things that are going to kind of cue us into A New Hope and the ways that, like, just the interior of the Tantive Four looks, right? And the way that everybody's wearing the helmets. Like, those visual things are way more interesting than, like, throw in a, a, a pig face guy and a butt face guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that that's silly. But also... Those things are not nearly as important to the movie as some of what kind of kind of gets lumped in with it. Like, uh, that Bail Organa is here is just more fan service. No, like this is telling another story about Bail Organa. We're we're learning something about him. It's great that he's here. It's really it's great, great that Mon Mothma's here. Like, I am so impressed with how they exist in this movie, right? And and how their characterization even in the brief moments that we have with them, is deepened. It ties them into A New Hope. It ties them into, yeah, into the original trilogy. But it also does a really good job of tying it back to the Clone Wars and tying the the, the TV show (laughs) and tying the, the whole world together. Rogue One isn't just about the bridge into A New Hope. It's about how everything is connected. Uh, Mon Mothma and Bail Organa were friends in the Clone Wars show. They were colleagues. They were like fellow senators, and yeah. and they interact several times in the in the show. And so to step back into Rogue One and see how they look at each other, how they communicate, and the things that they decide are important, um, you suddenly are reminded of this super long decades long history that the two of them have together right. um and the choices and the losses that they've suffered um and and the things that they've been through yeah. and it's uh it's really nice <laughs> like it's yeah. it's really cool and one of the things i love especially about bale and mon mothma is that their reveal in the movie and like the level of focus on them is not gratuitous it's not this like Oh, remember Mon Mothma? Uh, (laughs) Everybody cheer for Mon Mothma being on screen. It is, like, as matter-of-fact as possible. Uh, And that downplaying of the moment, uh, I think, solidifies the connection because they are mundane-level heroes. Like, it's not like Luke Skywalker taking off his hood at the end of the force awakens and we all go oh man luke's back like what's gonna happen (laughs) next right right this is this is not a hero doing a reveal this is a senator doing their best um (laughs) and and not even really managing to do that so i think that it's just it's way more nuanced than this is a fan service movie um and i think that the focus on characters that couldn't possibly be fan service characters because they're brand new in this movie uh helps that a lot actually uh, yeah. keeps it steadily within its own realm it and kinda, then we just kind of drop these little bits of star wars flavor in there yeah it kind of um softens the um the the heaviness of that that the fan service could be yeah. they could have been a lot more intense about mom Mothma and bail organa 
Um, they could have been, they could have added even more people in the, in the room that were, you know, that, that we can connect to other scenes. Um, but they, you know, they didn't, they didn't have to, um, what they had was, was well handled. Um, so I hadn't seen Clone Wars at all when we first started. Um, and now I've seen almost all of Clone Wars. (laughs) (laughs) And so the like references and the smaller things to that that called back to the Clone Wars or to that era um, make more sense to me now and are things now that I I, I notice mostly the stuff with Bail Organa and Mon Mothma but it's 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 things like that that I now every time I watch the movie I go oh I remember that one time where they were in the council in the you know the Senate chambers and they you know they had to solve this one problem with oh, Padme. Oh, they got taken hostage that one time, which was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. By and, Cad Bane? <laughs> and that's why they look at each other like that when they, you know, and, and yeah. that one episode we t- when we talked about how it's possible that they see some Padme in Jin as she's, yeah. you know, little Jin as she's addressing the whole big council. And they share this look and, and stuff. And, and that's, those are the little things now that I notice. The longer we watch this movie and the more into Star Wars I get, um, the like better that, the better that is. Oh, and now that I've seen Clone Wars, I know where Saw Gerrera comes from. <laughs> yeah, like the whole idea that Saw Gerrera was trained in guerrilla warfare by Obi-Wan and Anakin. And that yeah. like the scars that that left on him. The loss of in, his sister. The loss of his sister. That whole fight. And then you kind of get an idea of how he could end up, you know, on Jeddah, like, you know, barely holding it together, more machine than man. Yeah. A- an extremist in every sense of the word, not trusting anybody. It's like, well, of course, right? Of this course. is somebody who's been in the fight since he was like 13 years old. And now we've seen it. We see it in the Clone Wars and then we see the result of it and we see his demise and to know where he started and where he ended, it's it's really striking. Yeah. And I had I had knew some of Saul's background from reading um, some of the ancillary novels, um, but to see it on screen in the Clone Wars was like a whole was like a whole nother thing. It was yeah. really excellent, and I thought Stila Guerrera's sister was so well done in the show. And although she's not mentioned in the movie, um, if you know about her, you can sense her, like, the loss of her in Saw still to this day. The the kind of, like, desperate nature of his, of his version of Rebellion is still yeah. fueled by his, um, is still fueled by the loss of his sister. Yeah. And and I feel like what's great about Saw in Rogue One is when I saw Rogue One, I had also not seen Clone Wars, but I got Saw as a character. Yeah. Like, I got him as, like, a parallel to Vader uh, with, with the whole, like, breathing apparatus and all of that. I got him as a more extreme version of the Rebellion. Like, I get him. He's very, very well portrayed in this film. Uh, and... Again, this is a reference, but it's not gratuitous. It grows the universe. Yeah. And I think that that makes it, uh, you know, valid and good and like what I want to see out of Star Wars references, actually. <laughs> um, so I love it. Yeah. 
can't believe I almost forgot to talk about Saw Gerrera. How could we almost forget to talk about Saw Gerrera and his band of partisans? He is so awesome. Boris Whitaker did such an He's a political job. idealist. <laughs> <laughs> he did such an excellent job uh, in this movie, and, and the, the reference was really well placed. It was just enough of a of a reference to existing Star Wars material to be fan servicey, but like the Clone Wars is while very while very popular, it's not as mainstream as the movies. So he can feel like a new exciting character. Yeah. While still also giving us that really cool tie to the Clone Wars show. Absolutely. Um and yeah, I I thought they did a, a really good job with him. I I just I love watching Forrest Whitaker work. Um <laughs> and he's such a small part of the movie, but such like a like a impactful like force like presence through the entire thing and through the characterization of Jin or so um that he was yeah he was like really necessary to the storytelling um and i yeah i love i love everything about it uh do you think it's time to talk about one more way that rogue one has expanded like our understanding of star wars like one huge point of significance about it yeah let's talk about how rogue one talks about the force uh so rogue one is in my understanding the most demystified version of what the force is and does in Star Wars canon, or maybe the most mystified. Uh, it, it seems like both. It seems way more grounded and way more abstract. Right. Something I love about about this movie and its relationship with the Force and with spirituality kind of in general um, is that it's about spirituality in general. Um, it's not just about who has power and who doesn't have power and is that power inherent in people or is it inherited by families is you know that's the conversation for the skywalker saga this movie approaches the force um as like as a deeply spiritual relationship that people have with their environment and with their families and with the people around them and therefore you're right, the Force feels more, like, more mysterious. Like, oh, it's not just about who can lift rocks. It's about <laughs> it's about who can sense the, um, the intentions of another and who can, um, you know, connect with people, who can, you know, it, who, who simply just believes in praise and doesn't actually do anything about it like lyra lyra urso is not as as far as we know force sensitive in any way whatsoever but she knows about and believes in the force and she wears the kyber crystal and she understands that to her the force is something like a, like a god like a religion this is something that we believe in and trust that will influence our lives and guide us but it's not power it's just it's just faith and then you've got chirrut who can't wield the force like a power but who can a hundred percent feel it and sense things and he can he you know he can dodge 
blaster bolts and he can, you know, fight while blind, but also he can sense that that Cassian's not a not a murderer. He knows that Cassian's a good man and he can trust that Jin's going to lead them and he can he he knows who's safe and who's not. And it's not just about ooh, I can shoot a really cool crossbow bolt over my over my shoulder and knock down a TIE fighter that falls into a uh into the control panel of the Edu, you know, and take out all these guys all at the same time, which is also awesome. Another right. thing that he can do. <laughs> totally awesome. But that's not what it's about. So it's both, yeah, more grounded and accessible for non-Jedi, but also more mystifying. Like, what is it then if it's not a lifting rocks power? It definitely isn't a power that lets you control people and lift rocks. Um, it It is, right, It this this movie understands the Force in a way that, like, only that one speech from Yoda in the middle of Empire Strikes Back, and then also Luke in the middle of The Last Jedi, managed to kind of get towards, right? Where it surrounds and binds and penetrates and is all around us, and life creates it, and it is all matter and everything, right? Like, the Force yeah. is everything. The Force is all, but it's also balance and fate and you know it's it's about how the universe kind of tends towards that same balance and rogue one totally embraces that as like these are not characters that will wield the force these are characters that will feel and be affected by the force yeah uh and be guided by the force and that will tend towards balance these are these are characters that are indirect response to the imbalance of the death star itself like that's what's happening here um you know dark rises and light to meet it uh to, to quote snoke of all people i love that um which which might have been a lie that snoke was telling for all we know but also really seems that's what's happening here right like when yeah. darkness rises light will meet it uh and i feel like that's a powerful theme of this story May the force be with us. I'd like to talk a little bit about um, about the show as it existed, you know, two years, two and years and change ago. <laughs> um, and I want to talk about there was a conversation that we had in episode one of this show that uh, Ponders and I had, where we um, where we asked ourselves. Uh, um, does Jin have a choice in any of this? What, like, at the at the time, our big question about Rogue One was, um, is Jin's rebellion, is Jin's, um, like, coming out of apathy and into action, is that a choice? Was it thrust upon her? Was it, um, is it just, is it destiny? Is it, and it's any of is it any of those things, or is it all of those things all at once? Um, and we we kind of phrased it as like the problem. The problem is choice. <laughs> the problem is by choosing to reject apathy, and um and join the rebellion. Um, did was it was it actually a choice? Did Jin choose that, or 
was she obligated to by the death of her father? And are those the same thing? Was that obligation giving her the choice to act? The choice, the option to act that maybe she had been looking for, but didn't know how to find it because she had been so apathetic and so lost for so long. So I, so I wonder what, um, what you have to say about that. What it's a, think? it's a really good question. Um, because we, we've talked about Jin's agency in this movie before um when it came to uh killing krennic the the idea that Jin doesn't get to kill krennic she doesn't get that like cathartic revenge at the end like it's cassian from behind her not rescuing her because we we have a feeling that our girl Jin could have done something right but like <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely like resolving the situation before it could even come to that and you know, when when we brought it up a couple episodes ago, I was like, well, do you feel like this is, you know, Jin losing some of that agency in this moment? And you came out really strong being like, not, not at all. Like, what what does it serve to give Jin one more kill? Like, Jin gets to see Krennic lose. And that's the catharsis. Yeah. That the um, answer wasn't more violence. The answer right. was the, her relationship was, with Cassian. Yeah, and and, and, and that, the end of things. Right, this is it's over now. And he, you know who I am. I know who I am, and it's over. Right. It was her self self actualization, her realization there. Right. Yes. Um. And so, like to to kind of expand on that, then it, it does kind of feel like Jin gets thrown through this movie like she is quote-unquote rescued captured <laughs> right uh -huh. um and brought before these rebel leaders given a task that she's more or less a prisoner for like they don't even want to give her a gun right because like who knows what she'll do with it um and yet pretty much by the time Jeddah is destroyed and she knows that she's going to go see her father on Edu. Uh, from that point forward, she's reached like equal status with Cassian for sure. And she is making choices because I feel like from the point that she's captured or, or rescued, whatever, from the point that she's rescued she is definitely held against her will, but the entire galaxy is screaming at her that she needs to do something. Because yes. her philosophy is one of ignorance, right? And she can choose not to look up for her entire life and, I don't know, maybe die an old woman peacefully somewhere on a backwater moon, right? Right. Or she can do anything. <laughs> she she can do anything. And I mean, does Jin Erso have a choice? Well, Jin Erso is in a Star Wars movie. <laughs> uh, and there are forces at work beyond her control. She can't say, I would rather not be in a Star Wars movie and retire. Like, that's, that's not allowed. That's true. Because um, the movie would be really boring. Um, but also... Does Jin Erso have, like, a moral choice? Like, can she say, I don't think this is the right thing to do? I think the right thing to do would be to run, to hide, 
we know that she changes her mind about that by the end of the movie. Yeah. Like, by the end of the film, by the time she's saying rebellions are built on hope, she is bought into every choice that she's making. Did she have a choice in getting there? I think part of the movie, part of what the movie is doing is removing other choices for her. Um, and making this not the only choice she can make, but the only choice she feels correct in making. Because I think you were saying that she can drop off the message and leave. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. That's something she, we, we brought up in the in the first episode. Right. Is that Jin has a choice to say, all right, my father gave me this message. Here's what it said. Here's where he says the plans are. It's called a Death Star. Bye. I'm out. I've done my duty. Um, Bodhi Rook can say the same thing. I gave the message to Saw. I got Jin in, involved in this because of the message that I passed on. Um, I've defected. I'm no longer an Imperial. I'm good. <laughs> I'm done. They have that choice, that option. And um, I think that they they are given the choice to say, but actually, no, I'm not done yet. I have thing. I have something to prove. I have things I need to accomplish. And it's just not the right thing to do to walk away. Yeah, not only are they given that choice, they're actually being told to do that at that point in the movie. Yeah, they get told. <laughs> yeah, this we didn't. I don't think we we got to this point in the in the very first episode is we kind of just said oh yeah well they have the choice not only yeah you're right because not only do they definitely have the choice is that they are told okay we're just gonna wait here on yavin the council said no we're gonna just hang out we're just yeah, gonna just we're, we're just stay gonna wait here, and see stay safe run away eventually right You've, uh, you've done your duty. We can just pardon you and let you be on your way. Right. Um, and, and they say no. Yeah. They Every character has that exit. Uh, Bodhi, Jin, Cassian even, even though he's probably going to get another mission, he has the safer option of doing what he's always done. Yes. Um, you know, Chirrut and Baze, what, what dog do they have in this fight? Like none, right? Yeah, they could just leave. <laughs> They, they could just they, leave. I mean, I mean they can't be, go back to Jeddah, but they'd they be could refugees go somewhere, somewhere else. Probably, yeah. but like, yeah, they could go literally anywhere else. So, um, so our they... whole crew makes the choice. Exactly. I don't know if it's if it's a question of do they have any choice anymore. A lot of their other options, like I said, were eliminated by the events of the movie. But they had one more choice, and that choice was to follow instructions. Yep, and they chose not to. And they, they chose rebelled. Not to. And but... it's it's part of what made rogue one like such a politically appropriate film for the year 2016 and somehow for the year 2020 somehow somehow both um you're absolutely right that um is something we talked about a lot in that first episode was we spent a good chunk of time talking about the year 2016 this movie came out in december 2016 and we were post-election pre-inauguration of the of a new president and of a, a significant change in our american society now so we're speaking as americans to an, an international audience right. um but this was something that was on everybody's mind at the time what next like what is going to happen at 
after this and we're in a we're at a, a big crossroads and we're at a big like like the game time decision what are we going to do about it yeah and i mentioned in the in the, that first episode that uh like less about a month after i saw this movie almost almost exactly a month after i saw this movie um we were there marching in washington and i couldn't even begin to tell you how many signs that i saw in dc that said the words rebellions are built on hope and how like right away people saw and understood the impact of words like that the idea of rebellion the idea of hope the idea of like star wars is back and it's serving us this like real political realness that we um that we can't just ignore we can't take that for granted um you know saw asks jen um can you stand to see the imperial flag overhead and she says it's not a problem if you don't look up and you know then later the later that day basically i don't know i don't know how long it takes for them to get to Edo. then she loses her dad and that's no longer an option for her to not look up she has to um and when she looks up she sees that the world isn't how she wants it to be and she takes the steps to change it and that in 2016 was such an important impactful and like genuinely inspiring thing um that a lot of people took to heart and uh you know including myself um like lived with for years and now we're wrapping up this this you know this part of our show not the whole show but we're wrapping up this part of our show in almost exactly the same same place um, except this time, the fight that that was taken to the streets in 2016 got taken to its to the conclusion that that version of of evil's too strong a word probably no no I'm gonna I'm gonna say it that version evil of, is not of, too strong a word that e- that version of evil evil's just so strong that I get worried to use it sometimes um, that version of evil that was the the fight in 2016 um, is not gone forever, obviously, but it's a fight that happened and a, and like a, a big victory was found, even if that even again, as we've said before, even if that that victory doesn't feel like a victory all the time, um, is that it's about moving towards something better. And yeah. about moving in a in a direction that means eventual victory. Yeah. Uh if we if you keep fighting. And that's what Rogue One is about. It doesn't yeah. feel like the end doesn't feel like a victory. Or at least the the end of the Battle of Scarf doesn't feel like a victory. Everyone died. Yeah. But then there's Leia at the end of the movie saying they've brought us hope. Your Highness, the transmission we received. What is it they've sent us? Hope. Think horrible things happen and people fought and fought and gave everything. And at the end of it is still hope. And that message was, was important and crucial and inspiring in 2016. And in 2020, it's like, 
it's reflective and continues to be a blueprint for how we can still hope even when things look look bad yeah um yeah i'm reminded of when the election results were finally finalized (laughs) and what it's it's funny how and maybe this is just because we're star wars fans and we're like on star wars twitter but this is what i understood like a lot of people were saying and seeing the overwhelming mood was yub nub <laughs> yeah uh, i saw a, hun- a hundred tweets that were like the partying in the street right now feels like the end of the battle of endor <laughs> yeah. uh which is which is wild for two reasons um first of all yub nub isn't even the song that plays in the movie anymore <laughs> <laughs> you have to you have to know about the like old version of Return of the Jedi, which is so cool, uh, and I'm just glad people remember Yub Nub. We're Yub Nub stands. Oh yeah, I, I Yub Nub. Look, I love John Williams, and what he composed for the revamp celebration scene is actually great. It don't is. get me wrong. It's quite beautiful. Yub Nub is just I don't know. It's it's better for reasons I cannot explain. It might be all nostalgia. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Yubnub, and Yubnub does translate in Ewokis to freedom. Um, like that's that's what it's about. It's that feeling of relief and the feeling of having been freed. Um, and I totally felt that. But I guess what I was expecting was more focus on the line. There's more of us. Um. Which, interestingly, didn't seem to resonate quite as deeply. Um, But when I saw it in theaters, uh, The Rise of Skywalker, that is. Yeah. When when Lando said, there's more of us, I saw it in theaters three times, and I saw it the last time with you in theaters. I cried every time. Oh, yeah. Like, because that felt like the line for the moment. But I think... One of the interesting things about Star Wars is that we all approach its political message, and Star Wars is political. Oh, yeah. I mean, Star Wars, in its very inception, is political. (laughs) Um, Star Wars is political, and for some reason always feels prophetic. Uh, It's not necessarily the most recent star war that is going to be the most politically relevant for the moment right. like the star wars prequels and the idea of you know trade disputes leading to you know uh government overreach because of an attack on one such place or whatever like a lot of people have read that as a direct response to like the bush era of politics which is really funny because i'm pretty sure the phantom menace predates um, the bush era of politics the bush era <laughs> politics pretty like by a few years <laughs> yeah and a lot of you know what is written into you know even even the later films which are being released during the bush era uh you know like things like this is how liberty dies and stuff like that yeah a, a lot of that stuff was written about historical politics that lucas was just channeling that happened to be coming around again yeah um history repeats itself and all that yeah and i feel like 
that is even more true of Star Wars today that we are we are looking to Star Wars to explain our current political realities to give us a lens through which to rationalize these things that we're having a really hard time gra- grappling with, right? Like how do you express the joy of feeling dread and oppression and just general malaise for four straight years only to feel a sense of relief knowing that it's soon to come to an end how do you express that other than yub nub <laughs> uh i guess you you express it with hope yeah because that's still central like the i think one of the triumphs of the sequels is saying well you can destroy one evil empire but something else might be there in the background ready to take its place right right and i feel like the idea that the fight needs to continue and that the key is unity is a really a really solid thematic piece of the sequel trilogy uh but i feel like rogue one is so foundational to that idea that losses can be wins if we continue to fight um and that idea still really feels important here in november of 2020 it's really weird to look back you know however many years to not just to you know when this movie came out but to when we started the show and to when you know you hopped back in you hopped into the show only just in i mean what month was that we were we were like mid pandemic <laughs> gosh it must have been march like right when things kicked off it was it was um march 22nd was the publishing date for your first episode wow um right when things were really kicking off um and and so we've spent the last last few months or so uh you know, suffering through, along with the rest of the world, suffering through really horrible, you know, really horrible things nationally, internationally, politically, um, and then, and then the, the non-political of, you know, a pandemic and, and about a general feeling of where the general feeling of you could fall into apathy at any minute if you're not careful you could you could become like Jin was at the beginning of this movie and just be like, well, if I keep my head down and I don't look up, I could just weather through this and come out the other side okay. But part of what Jin learned in this and part of what we've learned from the last four years is you can't just keep your head down. Um, and you can't be apathetic and you have to look up and you have to, you know... You have to fight and you have to hope those things are, are crucial to our humanity. Um, and it's been both hard. It's been hard to watch Rogue One over the last few months um, because of how sad everything is all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also to be reminded on a regular basis that, um, that when things don't look like a victory, they still could be, and that you can continue to fight through it no matter what, because it's the the right thing to do. And eventually, things turn out okay. 
If you, you know, you fight for, for goodness, like good should triumph over evil all the time. It should. It often doesn't feel like it is, but the good does triumph over evil when there are people fighting for good. That is in it inherently triumphant. Yeah. And that it makes this, that this movie is triumphant even when it's at its lowest. And and hope is its own battle to to even have hope. Yeah. Um and Jin's journey I think reflects that really 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 well. Yeah. Um yeah, I agree with you on every count. This this movie has depth. <laughs> <laughs> is is not much of a thesis statement at this point you know here on on episode 15 or whatever it is um this movie has depth uh and that depth i think continues to uh, change along with our reality like most movies actually (laughs) Uh, but rogue one is a special case especially for us yeah you know i like this movie now i'm so glad I, I don't. I don't feel like I say that enough, but I, I, I'm like a fan now. I, I really do like Rogue One. Yay! <laughs> Rebellions are built on hope. Rebellions are built on hope. Hope. Are you ready to kind of get some perspectives from some of our listeners? Absolutely. We got some really nice messages from people. We put out the call. Um, to to ask people what does rogue one and 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 to a lesser degree rogue fun mean to you what is it what does it mean how do you feel and um and we we were just kind of looking to hear from from people we've we've talked a lot over the last couple of years of podcasting and now we we wanted to hear from people and we got some really nice responses um so let's read some okay uh, I'll read the first one. Um, it's from a very dear friend and very loyal listener, Mike, um, who says, Rogue One has influenced my life because of its message of optimism and hope. As someone who struggles with anxiety, depression, and other mental health issues, the story resonates with me because it tells me that no matter what the odds might be, good people can still accomplish their goals if they trust in one another and work together to support a greater cause. Additionally, I've met numerous good friends in this fandom, including Buddy Alice and an entire Discord server of other friends and countless others, others, all of whom are more than willing to talk to me about this wonderful movie and the people in it. It has opened me up to the talent of countless actors, Felicity Jones, Diego Luna, and everyone else, and has inspired me to create one of the largest fan-related projects I've ever undertaken in the form of my Dark Forces fanfiction. Overall, I am thankful for this film because it is inspirational, powerful, and above all, filled with hope for a better future. Such a nice series of sentiments from Mike, uh, whose Dark Forces fanfiction is excellent, by the way. Yeah. Um, and, oh, go ahead. Um, and it's it's really nice to hear that, like, that's, that this movie has, um, has, like, inspired such a massive community of people and that we're able to be a part of that. Yeah. Uh, one thing that really stood out to me about Mike's message is the idea that this was an entry point into the work and careers of like so many actors. Oh, yeah. Um, And that literally everybody here is bringing 
their A plus game <laughs> and have continued to do so since this movie came out. Uh, oh yeah, like they're they're this cast is the 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 skies are empty. The stars are all here. Um, <laughs> uh, it's it's truly impressive, and I think that when you kind of look at how to use another star metaphor, how the stars aligned to create a movie this powerful, this meaningful, and with this many talented people to bring it to life. Um, I don't know if Rogue One will see its equal in the Star Wars franchise like anytime soon. Uh, it is art uh, in a way that some of the other films don't always feel. Uh, it, it feels like artists making art artfully. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, uh, the, the idea of a community forming around this movie just makes sense to me. Uh, it is a movie about community. Yeah. And, uh, to speak of, um, again, like what, what Mike said about, um, being open to the talent of actors and what you were saying about, uh, about like these, these actors and like this, the, the A game of this team, um, they, (laughs) I just, just really quick, I'm going to throw over to, um, they were announcing the movies that have been submitted for Oscars this um, uh, this year. And uh, Diego Luna, Riz Ahmed, and Mads Mikkelsen have all been submitted for consideration for uh, Oscar nominees this year. Yes! Um, which is so... It's, it's so nice. It's so nice to see. They're all so good. Felicity Jones saw just a massive spike in her career. Um, over the last couple of years when she played Ruth Bader Ginsburg and she was in that movie, The Aeronauts, which uh, I think did pretty well. I haven't watched it yet, but I think it did pretty well um, as a Amazon original. But she, I mean, just like spearheads all of these projects and everybody's been um, been doing so well. And um, yeah, if, if, if anybody is listening to this and needs to be exposed to more excellent work um, by people in the cast, I have to recommend Riz Ahmed was in a limited series on, I think it was on HBO called The Night Of, that is outrageously good. Uh, it is really, it's a difficult watch and it's a really intense show. Um, like, look it up maybe before you watch it. Um, but Riz Ahmed is just a, an outrageously good actor. And, um, just every yeah the whole team was is so good and and it's been really nice to track their careers since then you know a lot of them were were fairly successful uh and Forrest Whitaker is an Oscar winner he speaks for himself yeah um but uh to see to see them kind of be pulled into more mainstream work ever since Rogue One has been really nice I agree you know, it's it's counterintuitive to say that this movie is full of hope, but like you've said, uh, you know, just in this episode alone, the defeat is triumphant. Yeah. Um, and even though it's hard to watch because of the kind of down, like, swing at the end of the film, uh, <laughs> there is an overall air of hope in this film, uh, yeah. and that and that what you do matters. Yeah. And I think Mike, you really nail that as well. Absolutely. This one comes from Twitter user and Rogue Fun listener BB Great, uh, BB G R eight T. So good <laughs> on Twitter, uh, which is a great handle. Um, Rogue One is a movie that I fall more and more in love with the more I see it as time goes on. 
I was on a renewed Rogue One kick in the winter of 2018 when I came across the podcast and immediately caught up on the episodes because I was so excited to find a podcast that was specific to the movie. There are innumerable Star Wars podcasts. (laughs) And it's been such a treat to listen to an enthusiastic and in-depth breakdown of the movie, which makes me notice or consider things that I hadn't before, despite seeing the movie so many times. Rogue One is a very human movie. A lot has been said about its flaws and rushed and changed production, but it's one of those rare gems that not only made it work, but its flaws added depth to the movie. We may not get the same character development that the trilogies usually get, but the characters are no less complete. They are both whole and imperfect human, which is why we connect to each of them so well. Add in the visual symphony of the cinematography and the audio symphony of the soundtrack, and the movie always leaves me breathless and awestruck. And finally, I can't think of a more powerful message that even through utter desperation and loss can come the strongest love and the purest hope. That is so sweet. That's so nice. And exactly what we've been saying about the flaws and the changed production and all of that and how the flaws like really add to the add to the story and the depth of this of this film um you totally absolutely nailed it yeah i i i feel like you took the words right out of our mouths and i'm glad that like that is something that the rogue one community has kind of you know found its way to acknowledging is that yeah this movie had its issues in production, its issues in post-production, its issues in marketing, and its issues upon release, it's still a very human film. And I think human is is a great way to put it. Like, flawed and beautiful because of that. Uh, Just like humans. You know, we, we all have things about us that are our flaws. This movie has its flaws, and it's those flaws that make it feel distinct and unique and important and bigger than it is um and what keeps us coming back i guess yeah absolutely uh this next message is from a discord and tumblr friend is left's horses rogue one is one of the most important movies i have ever seen i remember seeing it the day after carrie fisher died feeling hopeless and worried about the general politics of the world we were in when our princess leia came back on screen almost as if from the dead to deliver a literal message of hope I don't think I'll ever forget that moment. Watching this ragtag group of nobodies claw their way to Scarif and sacrifice everything by the skin of their teeth for a cause bigger than themselves was achingly inspiring. Especially watching a girl amend her issues with her past and find purpose again, to find family again. To me, that's what Star Wars is all about. The importance of family and the little guys, quote, making ten men feel like a hundred. It's still fantastical and sci-fi-esque, but it's so grounded in reality that these characters feel real, that their histories and gritty lives were something that could have happened to any of us. A lot of people say this movie was just to fix a plot hole from the original, but there's so much more to it than that. It makes the whole Star Wars saga much more human, and every otherwise small victory for the Rebels seem a tremendous feat. 
In a way, it adds a sense of scale, showing the audience just how hard it was for our favorite familiar characters to blow up the Death Star. I can't speak for everyone, but grounding the story in what true struggle looks like made me feel a little less alone and a little more inspired to give it my all to make a change in this world. That's a beautiful sentiment. That's so, so beautiful and such a, like, and so, it's so true. I love that. I, I did I did read all of these messages before we recorded this podcast, but I love that so much of what we settled on to talk about also is reflected in what our listeners have found is so important to them in the movie. Um, that there's that there's repeated sentiments in in finding solace in the message of hope and finding um, and and finding inspiration in the you know, the, in, in the fight and that, that those things have united all of us in our, in our love for the movie. It's just, uh, it's really nice. And I really like that, um, is, is, um, brought up, uh, Carrie Fisher here. Um, we talked about this in our last episode, but Rogue One came out, uh, it was released on the 16th and Carrie Fisher died on the 20th, 21st. Uh, somewhere around there of December, um, just mere mere days later, and um, and so it it feels intentional, you know, it feels like an homage to Carrie Fisher, like a oh let's end it on her saying hope like that, you know, that's a good way to see her off, but they couldn't have known. There's no way they could have known, and it felt it feels like kismet almost that that's how the movie ends, um, and it's a. Yeah, it's 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 hard to think about, but it's really special. The timing of this movie is so key to how we experienced it the first time, and in retrospect is somehow even more significant, which again, yes, you're right. There's no way anybody could have known. Like yeah. writing, shooting, editing, all the post-production, there's no way they could have known like, hey, at this moment like a lot of people are going to need a message of hope. Like from, even from that. Carrie Fisher specifically. From from Carrie specifically, there's no way. Even the general message of hope, this idea that like you've got to look up and you've got to keep fighting, there's no way they could have known. Right. Like all logic would have told them that that's not what was needed at that moment. Maybe at that moment what we needed was like celebrate good times. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, but f- somehow this movie has just the incredible foresight of knowing what we needed right when it was released. And though I walked out of the theater a little disappointed, which I, I don't even remember why anymore <laughs> to 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 the level that I felt like other than to go like, oh, that wasn't a, that wasn't a Star Wars I was expecting. Uh, <laughs> but to the level that. Like, when it came out, it was special. And it, it remains special. And, yeah, I, I agree that the what makes this movie what it is is the way that it feels so personal. Like, like it's speaking directly to you about people that are knowable. Does that make sense? It does. Um... And and the way that it just takes the Star War and makes it about the people. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. All right, we've got one more. <laughs> yeah, we got one more message. Uh, this one comes to us from Twitter user at Scout the Trooper, a uh, longtime listener. And uh, and a a titan of Star Wars Twitter um, <laughs> for uh, for lots of reasons. <laughs> yes. Uh, so this was just a tweet, so it's not it's not an essay, but here here's what it says. Your show has made me see my favorite movie in a brand new light. It's insane how deep your analysis is. I, I just nice. really appreciate that. That I'm is sure. just really nice. I I think that this process of taking Rogue One bit by bit and saying what about it works and trying to find ways that it works that aren't obvious um, has been remarkably rewarding for understanding this movie. Yeah. Uh, so I, I thank you for saying that the analysis is deep. I I hope it was... not to toot our own horns but when i go back and listen to what we say i feel like i'm learning something which is wild because i said half of it (laughs) (laughs) sometimes going back to edit each episode even even like we close the recording i download the files and immediately get to work and it's been mere minutes since we spoke i'm still sometimes like impressed impressed by us i guess (laughs) to toot our own horn just a little bit i'm i'm pleased that we're able to um to talk so long and so loud about something that we love so much (laughs) it 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 feels good (laughs) yeah i rogue fun is a labor of love it is something that uh i know for you is like an extremely fulfilling passion project yeah Uh, correct me if i'm wrong it's extremely fulfilling and and it continues to be extremely like personal and um and like cathartic part of my of my grieving process i i brought this up in the first episode and and occasionally since but um i've connected this movie so so thoroughly with the loss of my father um who passed away just like a couple of days before rogue one came out and the like difficult relationship that he and I had and the um and the the grieving and healing that I've that I've been doing for the last four years has been really um this has been really helpful it's it's like it's been cathartic to explore like why I connected so much to the story and why I connected so much to to Jin and to Galen and like um and 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 beyond that beyond just the 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 grief but to find something to to celebrate and to like um something that that feels like love like this movie just feels like there's like there's so many different kinds of love expressed in in this movie and to to find it and to feel it and to live in it for a while has been like one of the great like creative joys of my life it's it's been awesome i'm just constantly thankful to be along for the ride um and i hope that i've been an okay co-pilot because (laughs) (laughs) uh for me i feel like the journey has been so much more surface level um and not in a bad way right but this is your this is your project this is my baby (laughs) this is my Uh, baby but no i you're honestly i'm so i'm so thankful for you not just for 
coming on board and helping me continue the show. Um, but for being my best friend and a good sounding board and like a really excellent, um, like, you know, uh, like critic and, and, um, and, and your, your brain is good at, at finding patterns and at finding things that, um, in, especially in film, which is a subject, you know, so much more about, um, that have been, um, really useful and, um, I, I just I really I really appreciate you and I'm and I'm really glad that you came aboard. Your brain is good at let me tell you, your brain <laughs> is so good at uh like emotions, not just like feeling them, which is like what you do. You feel emotions. Just like really hard. All <laughs> yeah, the time. you feel them like all the time. <laughs> um but like at reading and interpreting emotional performance is such a skill that you have and i feel like when you when you bring that to rogue one you bring it at this level that i i honestly am constantly wowed by um thank you like i would not appreciate this movie's acting without some of the context that you've given me um which has been just invaluable to understanding the emotional journeys of these characters uh you are so good at zeroing in on that thank you Um, i appreciate that and you're good at like interpreting your own emotions as to like what it is you're seeing and why you're feeling that way like you have that that emotional knowledge and intelligence that is uh it's hard to describe but i feel like our listeners totally know what i mean well, now I'm I'm gonna I want to start crying. <laughs> well, don't cry. Well, because... I feel everything. <laughs> <laughs> and um and one more thing, um before we before we look to the future, I just wanted to send a a big thanks and um and and a shout out to Th Ponders, who um helped get the show off the ground in the first place and did like a really amazing job of um of the the first few episodes of the show being so not just so beautifully edited but like beautifully structured and um they kept me on track for a lot of the discussions and really helped create the format of the show that um that I've been able to to mimic and continue um and uh yeah the show wouldn't wouldn't exist if not for ponders and for um you know, the work that they did on this. And I'm just really, uh, I'm really grateful that we were able to get this started and that uh, we were able to continue it after the the hiatus. Um, And so I I wanted to say, I wanted to say thank you. Yeah, I agree. Well, without, without Ponders' work early on, uh, the show would not be what it is. And I agree. They definitely made a style for the show that is so, I don't know. Uh, would 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 we call it completely unique? Maybe not, but it's so signature to this show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it it absolutely speaks to what this show is about. That it has. I mean, you've done a really good job, kind of learning the ropes of editing to kind of, it, like you said, like mimic it, right? Yeah. Um, because this show sounds a certain way that I think is thematically appropriate to how we go about the analysis. So. Yeah, thank you, Ponders. This is uh this show is something that 
means so much and I'm, I'm glad we have it yeah me too uh so let's talk about where the show is going yeah let's talk about it so uh our very next episode our december episode is going to be a fun special episode where you and i buddy are going to record a commentary track for the movie a commentary track for Rogue One? A Star Wars story? <laughs> That's right. We're going to record an episode where we watch the movie in its entirety, all two hours and 15 minutes of it, um, and record the whole thing. And we're going to have like a little, we'll, we'll do the little sting at the beginning of the movie to help you, the listener, match your um you know your watch with our watch so we can uh we can experience the movie together uh and that's gonna be a lot of fun it's gonna be a lot of fun we've done watch parties on the discord occasionally uh and this is going to be kind of a broadening of that idea uh that we're we're gonna be kind of talking over the movie the whole darn time <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah. but we're gonna be kind of pointing out little details and maybe even discovering new stuff because Absolutely. we do every time we every, watch it. Every single time. And yeah, Pondres and I did this um a couple years ago. Um, but we figured it was time for another one. Now, especially that we've finished the film all together and we've we've done the whole thing, we're at a point where I think we um we have entirely new ideas and thoughts about it that require that like requires another commentary track. <laughs> um, and I'm so excited to do that uh, for December. Uh, and then it's 2021. Wow. A whole new year. Uh, in the far off future year of 2021, uh, rogue fun will actually become a singular consciousness. <laughs> uh, you and I will merge with the podcast and uh, we will float above the city uh kind of beaming rogue one into people's minds yeah uh, that what do you exciting. think about that no that's a, that's right? a, it's wonderful i'm so in. right good um, uh, but what's really gonna happen but what's really gonna <laughs> happen uh is that our next series of episodes are going to be about the ancillary novels that go along with rogue one so we're going to start with catalyst um which is a it's a fairly short novel about the relationship between Galen and Lyra, um, the birth of Jyn Erso, and uh, the relationship between Galen and Orson Krennic, and where their partnership started, and where they and how they got to the point where Galen and Lyra were in hiding on Lamu with baby Jyn. Um, it's a really excellent little novel. Um, a, that is, um, it's got a lot to say about the like about the life of people under the empire of the life of like regular old people under the uh, under the empire just trying to do their thing and live their lives it's just um, make their way in the galaxy it's really good so um uh so our january episode will be addressing part one of the book there are three distinct parts to this book um parts one two and three um and so part one life during wartime is 13 chapters long um, and so we'll be covering that in January. In part two, we'll do in February, The Pursuit of Peace is chapters 14 through 22. And then part three, Dead Reckoning, um, which is chapters 23 through 28. We will be covering those, um, yeah, in January, February, and March. And also in the meantime, so you're used to seeing us once per month, but starting in January, you're going to maybe start seeing us 
just a little bit more often because I've got some big surprises coming up um, with some interview episodes that we will be recording with various creators of the movie Rogue One. What? I know. I've been in contact with some surprise guests all having to do with the movie. Um, And so we will be dropping our regular discussion episodes uh, each month. But occasionally you might find a surprise episode where we will be interviewing and talking to um, actual actual Lucasfilm and Industrial Light and Magic uh, employees who have been working on the movie. Um. So I'm really, really excited. Um, I won't say any names yet because uh, we're still finalizing some some people. Um, but yeah, that's uh, this is gonna be happening. So keep an eye out and follow yeah you know, follow the feed and follow us on Twitter and stuff to make sure that you always know when uh, when those are coming out. Uh, in that tw- is remarkably exciting. It's that is so it's way, way so too exciting. exciting. I cannot wait to start officially announcing some of the people that that um, that I've been talking to. Um, and so what we hope to accomplish over the year 2021, um, is now we've watched the film and we've paid really close attention to the, to the movie. We want to start diving into what has happened around the film, um, about what happened before the events of the film in the books, um, what have, what has happened during production, what has happened during, um, during release we want to talk about like what it takes to make a movie like this and um and what exists in the like in the universe of the film that helps make it what it is so we'll be covering uh the books catalyst rebel rising um and guardians of the wills uh we'll also be covering the novelization of rogue one which is really long and might take us a couple (laughs) of months to get through um and uh, and we'll also spare a couple episodes for there's a new graphic novel edition of Guardians of the Wills coming out. There's a graphic novel edition of the movie of Rogue One that is out. Um, we'll talk about those, although, the you know, they're graphic novels. They're a little bit tough to talk about in podcast form, but we definitely right. want to turn our attention that way. Um, I have an episode planned where we want to talk about... The, tr- the trailer, the original trailers for Rogue One and how much the movie changed uh, in production. And that's part of our conversations that we'll be having with creators and stuff about like where this movie started and what goes into making it and um, and everything surrounding the movie that we love so much. Yeah. And the I guess the big takeaway here is that there is so much more to Rogue One than the film. Yes. And that means that there will be so much more to Rogue Fun than our recap of the film. Exactly. Uh, the the podcast is not over yet. Not to mention there's like an entire Cassian Andor series that we're eventually Ugh, going to see. Which we have been just uh, just waiting so anxiously for <laughs> news about like... they're filming now i think um but they've been so secretive about it and if it's i'm so excited and if it's anything like the mandalorian it's gonna be so good um and as soon as we start getting news about that and as soon as episodes start coming out we'll be doing recap shows um and yeah there's just we we won't run out of content to talk about um for quite some time so absolutely i'm glad you're all with us yeah uh so definitely stay tuned and definitely continue to spread the word and 
we cannot thank you enough for your support. Absolutely. Our your support means so much to us and has really been in so instrumental in making sure that the show has been able to continue for as long as it has. Um the 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 fastest quickest way that you can support us is to share the show with your friends and share it on social media where any Star Wars fan can find it and listen if they are intrigued by the concept. Um, and, but another way that you can choose to support the show, uh, is through our Patreon. Patreon.com slash those happy places, which is named after our other podcast, which is about theme parks, rides, and attractions. Occasionally, Star Wars makes an appearance. It's true. <laughs> it's true. So those happy places is, uh, is kind of our first show, our flagship show that we did together. Um, and so at patreon.com slash those happy places, you can find uh, ways to support the show monetarily. Um, and for, you know, for mere dollars a month, you can help <laughs> us uh, get this show going. And, and with those dollars, you can access bonus episodes. Uh, the most recent bonus episode we did is we talked about um, the Star Wars land at Disneyland, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, and um, and what it and how it might change or might not change, um, depending on the um, you know the events of the Rise of Skywalker. So if you want to hear us, and we have a whole episode where we talked about the Rise of Skywalker and like our thoughts <laughs> about it. Um, yeah. So if you're interested in conversations like that, and you want to access those bonus episodes, you should uh, join our join our Patreon. Yeah, that address again is patreon.com slash those happy places. And yes. there are many reward tiers and things that we can send along. And one of those rewards is at the end of every episode of every show that we do, we will read your name on the air. Uh, <laughs> so, Alice, are you ready to do that? I sure am. So here are the uh, the patrons that are at tiers that let us uh, that allow us to read their name uh on the show to share uh share our love of them to you so <laughs> here we go here's um the special thanks to charles g oslam c april l reed j ian e nick h joe w kate p ajg thank you all so 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 much for everything yeah this podcast mini network if we want to call it that uh this collection of shows that alice and i produce are uh again labors of love we do them because we love doing them that you love them enough to send along your support is confirmation that what we're doing is cool and valuable and that we're you know producing things that you also love so uh can't thank everybody enough you are all gentle people and scholars and uh you know our fans are all the best the best people yes all fans are, are the best people um <laughs> and we just if i could name every single listener on every show i would um but that's a special patreon exclusive so go <laughs> check it out patreon.com slash those happy places you know alice if people want to reach out to us and ask us questions about rogue one or theme parks or anything else that we know things about which are many things uh where can they find us <laughs> well sure you can follow this show on twitter at rogue fun pod um i am uh constantly constantly tweeting from this account all about rogue one and how much i love it and um 
And if that sounds like something you want on your feed, you should totally follow. Um, this week was particularly exciting because Rogue One started trending and some <laughs> of the most beautiful, amazing art of Rogue One uh, just resurfaced and was like ripe for the sharing. Yeah. Uh, it, it was really cool to was, see that outpouring of love for the movie. It was awesome. Yeah. Thanksgiving Day. Uh for some reason, Rogue One was trending, and I don't know why, um, but I got in on it for sure, and we were able to share some like really great screenshots and character analysis, and just just the best stuff came out of that. That was um, that was really fun. So yeah, that's at Rogue Fun Pod, and then you can follow us individually on Twitter as well. I'm on Twitter and on Instagram uh, at Alice White Thp for those happy places. And I'm at Buddy underscore Duquesne. Duquesne is spelled D-U-Q-U-E-S-N-E. And, and and I guess that's it, Buddy. Thank you so much for, for this episode, for this year, for being my friend and my co-host. And, and you're just, um, I don't know, words fail when I try <laughs> to think about how much you mean to me and how much um, your help on this has, has meant. Um, it's it is it's really hard to hard to articulate um how much this show means to me and to have you on it with me is um uh, just a, a dream come true alice it is my honor my privilege uh and one of my greatest joys to produce podcasts with you and rogue fun is i can feel how much you love this show every time we even start talking about it and when we start making it it's even more intense i'm just so honored to be here and to be your co-pilot in this u-wing uh and to <laughs> spread that joy around the internet so uh you are my best friend and favorite co-host Aww. uh hey alice rogue fun pulling away May the force be with us.